0: You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com
0: This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast Hello and welcome to the show, I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to someone who knows the ups and downs of comedy stardom from the inside out this conversation was recorded live at the Gilded Balloon in Edinburgh, and it is, of course, the very funny and very lovely Jason Manford. Jason, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, pleasure. Uh, and uh...
2: <sighs> no pressure to be funny. That's funny. Yeah, sad. there isn't. What normally I don't happens? Know you say that, but just the fact you're on stage and there's an audience and likes Yeah, that's its own pressure. You know yeah, know what I mean?
0: well, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah,
2: already, I'm like. Uh, it's even this far, with no joke, I'm going, I'm down on my arse. Yeah, like, it's yeah. weird.
0: <laughs> You're the first person that's pointed that out immediately. Several yeah. of my guests have got about 15 minutes in and just gone, is this all right? It's really weird, yeah. There is a pressure, isn't there? Yeah, there's a pressure. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. Like,
2: you've just drummed into yourself. Like, you know, mm. it's just weird.
0: So I saw your show last night here at You're the right, festival. Yeah. Was, that, uh, was that your first night last night? Second long, night. It was your second. Yeah, how's, yeah. how's the show going up here? We'll just sort of put you in context.
2: This, the this year... Um, this time round, it's easy in a way like because I'm in the middle of a tour. Mm-hmm. So previously, I've written a show especially for Edinburgh and off the back of Edinburgh, you you tour it and, and off you go. Whereas this year, I was touring anyway mm-hmm. and Edinburgh just makes sense to come and do the festival okay. in the middle of it. The weirdest thing, I think, is that your tour is, well, my tour, I do two hours roughly. And obviously, this is an hour. So sure. it's, quite, it's basically what you, you get to see what your DVD will look like so okay. you just sort of get rid of all the crap and, uh, and then just give them a solid hour they go well oh, that's good I might go see him on tour and see what the full show is I go no no don't do that don't. Yeah. <laughs> you've seen the best as it can be like, so
0: and whereabouts <laughs> in the life of the tour is this show are you about to go is no, this you no, finishing sh- it off or no, no no no
2: no. well I tour like I do massive tours like I don't uh, I go everywhere like mm-hmm. I, I sort of I, I get them to to, to sort of Put put it all in, and then I get the map. We get a map at Phil McIntyre's, who've done all my tours, and we get the map, and we put a pin in all the places that we're doing, a little mark, and then we do like a radius of like thirty miles around Mm. every pin, and then colour it all in, and Mm. then we have a look. Where's any green left?
0: Genuinely, do you actually do
2: that? That's incredible. And then I see where I've not played, and I go right. Let's get to Mark Eight. Okay. And then, and what (laughs) what
0: drives that? Why why do you do that in particular? Is it um. Is it a sort of an egocentric desire to be known by everyone throughout the country, or is it just that you want to no because you want to tick it off, or what was that because because people love moaning, and if you don't come
2: near their house, they are like proper moaning at you, you know. Yeah. Just like I'm, I'm trying my best. Peter Kay didn't even leave Manchester for his tour. Yeah. He literally called it the tour that didn't tour. Mine's the tour that tours like book, oh, yeah. And I go everywhere, you know. So I um, I don't know. I sort of also, it's your job, you know. It's your it's your it's just what, you, it's your job, you know what I mean? You just, you've got a tour, and, and I just, so I just try and get most places, and, uh, you know, it's hard when you get down towards, like, Cornwall and places like that and stuff like that. Let me just turn this off. Sorry, I turned that on before. Oh, and right. uh, I, um, yeah, I think when you get down to those places, you, you know, there's not as many play, gigs to do, you know, and uh, I, I, again, I just, I just try my best to cover as, as much ground as possible. So sure. I think I'm doing about 148 dates, I think, on this tour. Okay.
0: Um <laughs> what what the recording might not pick up is certain members of the audience going I just yeah, That, wait, that so, is big. That's yeah, a big tour.
2: And yeah, I think it's I don't know. I just always have. I've always I can't believe my luck. I think that's what it is. There's an element of that of just going, can I come there? And yeah. you'll come to my show? Okay. You now, know you
0: that. had... you had Talk about not believing your luck. You had quite an interesting start in comedy. You had yeah. a very... You've got a, Something I talk about a lot on this show is people's origin stories. Yes, almost yes. As comics are superheroes. Your origin story is is quite <laughs> unusual. You were collecting glasses at the Buzz Club. Yeah. It's one of those stories now, of course, like 16 years later that I go... I wish I'd have had a
2: boring one because, like, yeah. it is like it is every sure. radio interview. Every no, I'm not having to go at you. Like, I'm just saying every radio interview goes, "Oh, you've had an interesting start," the, and sure. but it is. I mean, I suppose it is very interesting in, in in that respect, in the sense that there's a point where you think stand up is, well, maybe not now, but certainly when I when I started, where you just think it's un, unattainable. Like, you don't think it's a genuine like a job that anyone can do. Like, it's almost like looking at. Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie or, or a movie star or something, where you just go, oh, I could never do that. Like, mm-hmm. that is just something... There's a confidence and there's writing all that material and then how do you get the break and how do you actually get on stage and do it? And, you know, you just think, oh, that's not a, that's not a real job. Like, I mm-hmm. couldn't tell a, a careers officer that's what I wanted to do. And... And then I, I just got a job where, I was 16, and my mum was like, right, off you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, go and get yourself a job, pay some rent and that. And uh, they really turned, don't they, at 16? And, uh, <laughs> and then I did, I went and so I just went round to my dad's local, basically, mm-hmm. and I, uh, and, well, I'd rung up a few places, like, I'd rung up a load of places, and everyone said, no, we don't need anyone. And then they, think, I think they did a little 1471 and just went, look, can you come in, we've got a wedding, and the, the guy who washes the dishes is a... Is, uh, he's not turned up Sure. so I put a tie on and, uh, and come on down so I went it was like a Saturday afternoon I went and I turned up there was a huge pile of wash, like the biggest pile of washing like taller than me I've, I've, they've had this huge wedding I was like right 16 like alright let's see here we go Like, I'm getting 12 quid like for this mm-hmm. and um, I was like where's your dishwasher she was like he's wearing a tie <laughs> and I went in and started the washing up and then they gave me the job and, that, and so it was just a pub that, that had a function room upstairs um, and and as it happened, they had a comedy night on a Thursday night, which I didn't know at the time, but it was quite a, a, a big comedy night. You know, it was a real... Uh, it had been running for sort of 15, 20 years, and everyone had played there. And uh, And I'd sort of, I mean, I'd always loved stand-up comedy. I'd always been interested. But it was just luck, really. And I'd ended up working in this comedy club. I wasn't actually old enough to serve drinks or anything, so I was only 16. But uh, I went out and collected glasses and and used to watch all the stand-up. used to mm-hmm. always get told off for watching the stand-up instead of working. And then... okay. Um, and then just one of those sort of things where, and I saw some brilliant comics, and I saw some terrible comics as well, which was, mm-hmm. if anything, is more helpful because uh, that makes it more realistic. <laughs> you think, well, I sure, can, I can definitely be terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, and then the uh, yeah, just one night, and, and I, would always make, I was always making the landlady laugh, like she was this old Irish woman and her daughter. You know, she was sort of in her thirties, and I was this sixteen-year-old sort of smart ass, and uh, I was always making her laugh with daft stories, and. Uh, obviously at the time you know you'd get comics well like now you know you get comics from all over and there was a couple of comics coming up as always sharing a car uh, mm. you know two or three of them in the car and it broke down and the, this is about half six seven o'clock the show starts at you know half seven eight and they rang the the, the promoter Agra Man the mm. human anagram Uh that's his best joke <laughs> and uh <laughs> John Marshall who's like a, he's sort of a bit of a legend like within in stand up and uh he was panicking you know he was ringing around trying to get the comics that you know they're in the local area Mick Ferry and uh, Alex Boardman and uh, people like that who who were sort of big man comics who usually would be busy and uh, he got a couple in and he was just desperate he was absolutely desperate and the landlady said um, he said Jason's funny why don't you put him on <laughs> I'm like oh. I thought, oh, what <laughs> in the middle of washing a glass like I said what and he said he said well no I need some comedians like and uh, he said, oh, he's got loads of funny stories. He'll do 10 minutes. I was like, well, you remember how long 10 minutes was when you, before you sure. started, you know? And um, I said, oh, all right. I don't know where it came from. I'd, I suppose just being 16, I think. I don't know. And, uh, and so I said, All right, I'll do 10 minutes. And um, and I think he just, he liked the idea, I think, in the sort of, like the water boy, like sort of thing. He's just sort mm. of go, oh, well, have a go, like, see how sure. it goes. And he let us have a go. And... I mean, I'd like to say it was like Hollywood and it was amazing, but
0: um, it wasn't quite... Sure, okay, okay. But that's sort of why I ask, because it does have that kind of Hollywood feel to it. I know you've told this story a lot of times, Mm. you often get asked it, but it comes up in almost every interview that I've read with you while while researching this. And I just wonder whether that helped, whether it helped you to have such a kind of you know, it's sort of, oh, now it's kind of arguably your ranks to riches story. But yeah, the fact, yeah, yeah. it sort of seemed almost like someone could have written it. Like mm. it's a pre-packaged, it's quite, do you know what it is? It's quite ITV. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you're <laughs> Well, quite, I've certainly
2: not stopped that. Well, yeah. there, exactly. But, and
0: you're quite ITV. Yeah, yeah, quite. And I just wonder if you think that the direction that you've taken in your career is is anything to do with you had such a kind of... I don't, I don't know. I don't know quite what I'm asking. It's whether the, the fact that you had such mm. a sort of... You know Lad done good Kind of story Yeah That kind of set the path That you went there
2: It was an odd one really Because I started And I'll be honest with you I was I was six months in And I thought I was amazing Like I (laughs) properly thought I've cracked this (laughs) I mean I was Eight eight gigs after that gig I won the Northwest Comedian of the Year With seven minutes of material And Mm -hmm. the year before me Peter Kay had won it Mm -hmm. Uh, Carolina Hearn had won it The year before Before him uh, Dave Spikey was a finalist John, uh, Johnny Vegas was a finalist People who, who you know who, who've, who've never won it And I won it Like I'm, I'm properly like pissed it. Like properly won mm. it With seven minutes of material And I was 16 And I, and people were giving me like 50 quid to do these gigs And I was going I am brilliant yeah. <laughs> I'm properly brilliant And then the second I realised the, the second I thought I was brilliant I stopped being any good at it mm. <laughs> And I had like two years of going I'm really rubbish at this. Okay. And it
0: was a really odd come down to earth. Do you like, do you was, think do you think that I mean you were presumably sort of visibly sixteen, you didn't look older than your years. You looked well, like a sixteen year old. You know
2: what? I I I certainly was m- maturer than my years and, and and as always I I um I do seem you know, I seem to have older references than mm-hmm. than a normal you know, a regular sixteen yeah, year okay. old um Maybe because of the, my family and and stuff, and and my dad is a funny bloke, and, and so just by sort of osmosis, you you know, you you seem older, your f- stories seem older, um, and I and and also my jokes weren't about being a 16-year-old, they weren't. They yeah, were, okay. you know, they were looking back, but they were saying, you know, they're saying oh, what was school like or what sure. it's like having crappy parts very jobs accessible or, sort or of the type. local area. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't, you know, I see a lot of, a lot of comics who are very young. I mean, Daniel Sloss has come out of it now. He's come out mm. the other side now and he's doing, uh, proper material, you know mm. what I mean? Material that doesn't, doesn't matter that he's yeah. A, yeah, he's a young lad like, and, uh, and I, and that was a, that was a that was an experience. But I, I suppose what happened for me was I spent ages writing all these jokes for this. Well, I say ages. I mean ages at the time was like half a day. Yeah. And uh, you know for this gig that I would managed to to wangle. And um, and a few weeks earlier I'd been I'd been mugged in in Moss Side in, in Manchester, and uh, and so I had a big right black eye, like a big, a big thick lip, and um, so I had I think a couple of teeth. Knocked out and stuff, and uh, and so I wandered on, and so I looked like this as well, doing my first gig, and I um, I don't know what I was talking about when I first wrote some stuff. I, I remember I had some material about um, we had this big wheel in Manchester, and every I used to I used to go past it all the time on on the way to uh, to, to college, and um, I always used to see these little scrotes, these scallys, and that spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the ups, even though there was all these signs saying no don't spin it they were like spinning them and I, always, I used to walk past thinking it'd be brilliant if they were actually unscrewing it wouldn't they, if they were in, as they were up there <laughs> unscrewing yeah. it and that was the first sort of observation I sort of thought oh that's quite a funny thing like. and I used to sort of, and I got to a point where I just used to hang around near the big wheel and then people would look up to me spinning and I'd go it'd be good if they were unscrewing that wouldn't it like, I'd just hang around just do that one observation <laughs> And, um, and that was my first taste of it really. And then, so I was doing this stuff on stage. So I got on stage and started doing this stuff then I had, you know, because at that point you don't know about the rules of stand-up either. You mm-hmm. don't know that you can't just do jokes or mm-hmm. that you can't, you know, that you can't just go, oh, I heard a funny thing or oh, I got a funny email with some funny stuff on it. I'll just read out some of those funny mm-hmm. things. Like I'll do the answers from, you know, Family Fortune, like daft answers from Family Fortune. I think I genuinely did that. I think I yeah. did that for, for, for about a year. Sure. Like here's some funny st- answers from Family Fortune. It used to get a big laugh and it was only the, it was only the comics at the back going, you can't do that, like, you know, shaking their head. So, um, but you just don't know the rules when you start. And, yeah. uh, and I was about four minutes into this seven minute routine and it was going okay. You know, they were, they were nice. I mean, don't forget, I'd, I'd also been working there for the last sort of yeah, few months, sure. you know, so they sort of knew us. And it so, was, so
0: it's like the end of a film, this. You've yeah, just so it was been a beaten nice, up.
2: Yeah, it was a ni- yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. And then someone heckled me and went, what's happened to your face? Uh, and, I, and it threw me. I wasn't expecting to get heckled on my first ever gig. And I said, um, I said I, I got mugged, and they properly laughed. <laughs> and I said, "What are you laughing at?" And I said, "I got mugged, uh, mugged in my side of other week." Properly laughing, like, and I was going, "Oh, really? I did." They were howled in their size, like, the sides like the, the, the pain I'd been through. And I'd had this thing at the time where, you know, when you again, like, you always try and make things. Um, you'd make light of a, a bad situation, you know, and uh, I remember, it was not a nice experience, obviously, but I remember the guy saying to me clearly, and like a comedian, no matter, even if you're just about to face death, if there's a joke there, yeah. you go, well, I may as well take it, like, you know what yeah, I mean, or sure. I'll remember that for later on. And I remember the guy clearly saying, give us your money or we'll beat you up. And I remember giving him my money, with those options, I remember giving him my money... <laughs> And, uh, and then he beat me up anyway. And I remember afterwards, not necessarily being upset that I'd lost six quid, but upset that, <laughs> like he'd broken our verbal contract, like, yeah, he'd, sure. like he'd entered into an agreement, you know. And I spoke about that, and it, and it was weird that sort of, you know, I mean, they always say, don't they, tragedy and comedy are, mm-hmm. you know, are uh, bedfellow. So, um, yeah, it was interesting sort of getting laughs off that. And I, So my first gig, I learned that big lesson, you know.
0: Sure. So when you, you said you, you'd spent an afternoon writing for yes. that. Yes. Yeah, so when when I, I want to talk about the gig, for yeah. a minute about the writing mm. process. You were kind of just assembling stuff that you'd previously observed, or were you... Yeah, What was no discipline to it.
2: No, I was just literally going to, how am I going to fill seven minutes? And I had a couple yeah. of funny stories about the family, you know, um, a couple of funny stories about the pub that, that we worked in. Um, And that was it. You know, there was nothing, there was nothing major. Like it wasn't like, like, I think about the work I put in now. Sure. You know, uh, I didn't
0: put that work in. Well, I remember. I remember seeing you backstage. I did the warm up for the comedy annual maybe two Ooh. years ago, mm. and I remember seeing you backstage with a laptop open. Yes. Working on individual two line. What about this one? And there was someone the yeah, yeah, yeah. management there, and you're like, "What about what about this one? You prefer that one?" Mm. And you were really, really focused on it in a way that that was one of the first times I saw someone certainly about to go and do stand up on TV yes. doing the last minute kind of prep. Yeah, completely. So, yeah. so there's obviously I, I want to sort of talk about two things with that. One is the actual writing process and how. Mm that's changed but also what I'm fascinated with is that you are probably one of the most accessible comics that I've ever seen like your stuff your Mr. Accessibility like there's nobody like there's young people in here we haven't had sorry forgive me but we haven't had younger people come in and watch any of the guests on (laughs) this but you sort of appeal to everyone and I just wonder if that's a deliberate choice that you've made, or if it just comes out of who you are as a person. Because you're, you're, hmm. your stuff, and I don't mean this is a criticism, no, no, but not you're not all. trying to challenge people not with your all. comedy.
2: Not at all. I've always said that. I'm never. I think. I, don't, I just think people don't always want to go out for a good think. You know what I mean? I think. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's Friday night. You've had a long week. I just just have a laugh for a couple of hours. You know what I mean? So, I. But weirdly, I am. I do like watching those comedians. You know, when I, I'm not. Um, but I think, you know, over the years, it seems to be if you're middle in the middle of the road, like people seem to be, that seems to be derisory. Like, oh no, he's in. You know, he's. And I think, well, we can't all be on the edge. We'll fall off. You know what I mean? So if and also if you speak to people like Frankie Boyle and Stuart Lee and and people who are, you know, towards the edge of of comedy. Uh, the the bright ones will acknowledge the me I suppose and, and, and McIntyre and Bishop and and uh, and the people who are keeping the middle because you need you need the middle you know mm. but otherwise you can't be alternative to it you know what I mean? sure. so did you I mean did you ever consider yourself an alternative comedian no no I mean I really I I sort of feel like I. You know, a lot of people feel they came out of that 80s boom of, uh, you know, the, the comedy store, um, you know, the Young Ones and Alexis Sale and people. I, I feel very much like I sort of just followed the Northern comics, you know, the club comics, uh, really, they're just, just having a laugh. And, and I suppose Billy Connolly and, you know, Jasper Carrot and Dave Allen, people people who were sort of pioneers of, of, of what we're doing today, really. Mm-hmm. You know, So I, I feel a little bit more... Akin to them than I do to uh, to, to, to that to, sure. that lot. So
0: okay. And do you do you feel do you feel do you ever feel yourself kind of going oh maybe I could have done a different track or I could have kind of searched more with the stuff or, I, or do you feel like you're really comfortable where you are with doing this? No, of I'm not comfortable. Are. I've never
2: been comfortable with my uh, set with my comic with my, my comedy. Um, I
0: like Wh- it. Why, why is that? Why are you not comfortable with it?
2: Because I just always think I can be better. You know what I mean? Mm. I always think there's something better. Like, I I went to see Louis C.K. And uh, all my mates were, like, crying laughing. And I just sat there like this. (laughs) And they were like, you having a good time? I was like, yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. And afterwards, they were like, you didn't really laugh. I was like, I just was watching him going." what am I doing? Like, what sure. am I doing compared to that? Like, there was just something, I felt like my, I'm, I'm going, hey, look at all these funny things that happen, all, the, all these daft things. Don't people say these funny things and kids are like this and jobs are like this and all, you know. And he's saying those same things. He's talking about kids. He's talking about jobs. He's talking about society. But I feel like he's going, here's all these funny things that have happened and here's why they happen.
0: Yeah, okay. And I feel
2: like there's just, a, there's just another level and sure. I don't know where it is I don't know if sure. it's age or if it's experience or it's just your personal I don't know what it I don't know where that next level is I, don't, I can't I don't know I can't find it you know and I'm, yeah. I'm trying you know and
0: I'm always trying to be better um, but are you trying are you trying to be better in the sense of you want more tags on your existing punchlines you want big rolling laughs no no or are you, you you're, trying, you're challenging yourself to yeah. discover more about yourself as a comic
2: yeah and I think you know I think there's a there's a I mean, don't get, I don't want. I don't want to. sound ask like in a sort of. Oh, I want to be like a. Social no, no, no. Co- this, is, this is the forum to no. Say of course, but I mean, mean like, yeah. there's a point where a lot of, where comics become like a social commentator. You know, and they and they yeah. talk about. And I find I don't know if it's a British thing as well, maybe, or maybe it's just like you said, I'm ITV or I've done BBC One and I've been and it's been hammered. It does get hammered into you. Like, look, mm. this, these are your boundaries. Just play within them uh, on telly. You know, they're the rules. And I I feel a little bit like there is some there is something else. You know, and there is there is a way of. Um, I'm not on, like, don't get me wrong. I, I go on stage and I tell funny stories. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. But I mm. know, I've never, I just think your horizons become your middle distance, you know, and every so often you just go, right, I want, that's, that's where I want to be. You know what mm. I mean? That's, that's who I want to be. That's how I want to be. I think the, the day you go, I've made it. Sure. I'm brilliant. Sure. It, and, I've, and i and I, and I
0: discovered that, you know, by thinking I was sure. great when I was 17. So, yeah, right. Uh, you do, do, you ever, do you ever find that I mean there must be when you're, when you're doing a 150 date tour to mm. 1,000 2,000 3,000 seat of venues um, there must be a weight of responsibility on you to keep I mean is, is there a weight of responsibility on, to keep giving them what they want I think there's an element of
2: um, like I, I was going to say sorry about being after doing BBC and ITV and those mm-hmm. sort of things is that in America, and uh, a lot of the American acts that I've listened to, there seems to be less, and Louis C.K., in mean, some of the stuff he talks about, if he was here, he'd be on the front page of the Daily Mail every couple of days, you know what I mean, sure. just for something that he'd said as a joke, you know, as a joke, yeah. people get offended by it. So I think, yeah, I definitely have that sometimes in the back of my mind of, of thinking, right, well, my audience, at some point, yeah, they've, they've come accustomed to a, a way of, uh, of the stuff I'm going to be talking about. Um, but also I panic as well like uh, Louis, Z- Louis CK will talk for two minutes with no joke and no punchline mm-hmm. I'm about 20 seconds in before like yeah. it's squeaky bum time I think oh has no one laughed so there's, that's part of my own you know, that I need to work that out as, well, I think, sure. uh, as you, well will
0: you get the chance to I mean like you can't really go for two minutes on stage without getting a laugh or can you could you push yourself I mean, to I do that in a, yeah, <laughs> some, I mean, some in corporates have
2: got half an hour <laughs> sure
0: I mean, what I mean is do the demands of the, the big tours that you do mean that your preparation has to be I've got to make all of this razor sharp or is there any part of your, your previews your preparation process where you can take the sort of risks that a big bit doesn't get a laugh but you're pursuing, you're searching for yeah. something in it. Yeah.
2: So I feel like so me and Louis C.K. have got a bit about smacking kids. Yeah. And uh, and he is very much anti-smacking kids. He's like it's the wor- like the worst thing you can possibly do as a, as an adult human. How can what you're such a bully like? And he's got that's his opinion. Like not only is it his opinion, he's forthright in it, and he goes mm. for it. And as an audience member, if you're sat in the audience thinking, I do sometimes smack my kids, like you'd be thinking, what's going on here? Whereas I I feel this a pressure of trying to please everyone, even people who smack their kids. So even in my bit, <laughs> I... i have <laughs> get
0: that important bit yeah, smacking market. I feel like yeah. I do my... Yeah, I feel like I
2: do my <laughs> bit about... And I say how, I say some people get it wrong and I've got this bit about a woman in the supermarket who did it and it was really weird and, and I say how wrong... And then I just find myself going, you know, but God, I nothing to do with me, what you do. Like, And I feel like I have to sort of sure. go... Sure. I noticed that last yeah, night. It's an there odd are thing. little
0: kind of almost... Not quite get out. So I don't know. Yeah, what the word Yeah, no, is.
2: it's a way of going. Oh, I hope no one feels bad about that. That like, just yeah. like that. That's
0: a weird. And you thing are to rewarded mind. for that as well, because, like I said, you're Mr. Accessibility. Mm. Your audience size grows. You, you know, you sell all the tickets. Yeah. So you are sort of being rewarded by the public for for doing stuff that isn't necessarily that challenging, or for being their friend. Absolutely, yeah. And and I don't at the moment.
2: I don't feel like it's my job to do that. Like I don't feel like. And I don't feel like I've got the skill set to do that. To, to but do you to, feel it's to, you your know, job
0: to please us, us as the the audience?
2: Absolutely, yeah, no. absolutely. I, I've not, I, I've never got to at the moment. I mean, I, I would like to be and get to a place where I think, oh, that's quite a, you know. For, so people do go away and go, oh, that was that was interesting. That was thoughtful. That was what, what it was. But at the moment, yeah, I just think so it's just jokes and that it's just mm-hmm. messing around, just after and, and I've got. Enough of them to to have a, to, to to have a go with it. I um I do feel a pressure of. I feel a, a pressure. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a working class guilt or a um I don't know what it is. But I do feel a pressure of when you go to a town, and you know you've charged your twenty five quid. And you think, right, and and, and all the time I'm thinking, right, that's two, what if, what, if two people have come and that's 50 quid, then whatever those booking fee pirates charge, uh, you know, there's another 25 quid, I don't know what they charge, five or each or whatever. Um, then they've got a taxi, babysitter, maybe they went for a meal, like uh, you know, I'm thinking all of a sudden it's 100 odd mm. quid for a couple to to come out and see you. So, and then, and, and then, and there's 2,000 of them uh, who've all done that. And I, and I do that to myself in the dressing room before sure. I come out. I think, what am I doing? i just added this massive pressure to myself. But it does make me go, like, it genuinely makes me appreciate Like, when I go out, I never, ever take it for granted that everyone's there. Like, I always think, like, you know, when money's tight, you know, the, you know, and, and I, and again, don't get me wrong, I'm doing all right. Like, I, I don't have to worry about that as much anymore. But I've still got family and, you know, I've still got a very working class family around me. And sure. so I'm st- I still see it and I'm still aware of it. And... um and it's odd, you know, it's odd. It is odd to put that sort of that word. Pre- I mean, to a point where this year I drop, I think I dropped my tickets from twenty five quid to twenty two pound fifty on the mm-hmm. on the tour because these I couldn't get these booking fuckers, these booking people <laughs> winds me up right. But these they they charge like a five a booking, even though. You're booking it yourself. That winds me up. And they charge a fiver on top. And I thought, do you know All of a sudden, people are saying to me it's cost me. And there's like a £1 restoration fee on some of these sure. places. You think, whatever, you're making this up. So suddenly someone spent 32 quid, whatever, on a uh, 31, 32 quid. Could, on you a ever, ticket. could you
0: ever tackle that subject that you feel passionately about on stage? I just.
2: I have mentioned, you know, it's been a thing, and I've spoken to all the comics about it. Sarah Milliken, um, she uh, she didn't do a load of venues that, did, that that did that. I didn't find out about that until I'd already booked my touring because mm. again, and that's something I'll do on the next one. Um, you know, so there is ways of doing it, but you. I, I, thought, I thought in the end I thought well I'll drop mine by £2.50 and then it's like we've gone halves each on the booking fee you know what sure, I mean like okay. I thought that seemed like a fair like, <laughs> classic man a fair swap yeah <laughs> and my agent was like you know that'll cost you this much money I was like oh well it's, it's, it's not yours if you never had it is it
0: so this is Jason you can hear how deeply he cares about giving all of his audience members value for money And that desire to please people is something I think a lot of us are very familiar with. It's it's also fascinating to hear how that pressure has uh, has maybe informed some of his creative decisions. Lots more on that coming up. Uh, It's it's bloody classic ComComPod here, if you ask me. Um, I've got some listener emails that I'm quickly going to go over. Um, Justin uh, emailed me. He used to run a comedy club. I won't say where. I I haven't told him I was going to read this one out. I sort of think it's implicit that if you send me something, I might read it out. But equally, I might just reduce the names to protect the innocents. He used run a comedy club he says which lost money every night but I'm keen despite the losses to get it going again so the bits of information about how stand-up and clubs have changed over the years especially as many comics say in your shows over the past five years is invaluable he goes on to say, It was a bit frustrating for me, though, that there was a knowing ah, yes, from your interviewees about the change in audiences and clubs in general over the past five years. No one was really specific about those changes. So that's some information I would like to know. Well, Justin, I've posted your email over at the Facebook group. So uh, if any of my listeners fancy sticking their or in over there, uh, if you've got any perspectives on what's been going on over the last five years, I won't sort of bore you to death with it here. I suppose that sounds like I'm being deliberately obtuse. I- I'm not. I just think there's, uh, there's a lot of different... Different people's perspectives on uh, on what's been happening to comedy uh, as a result of, I guess, a couple of things. The recession, the uh, the boom in comedy on TV, which means, of course, so many more people have started uh, becoming comedians and starting doing comedy. At the same time, clubs have been actually reducing the... That was halfway between actually and actively. It stays in. Uh, they've been uh, reducing the number of nights that are on so there's lots of different things going on there but go over to the Facebook group uh, if you like and you can uh, you can talk to I mean I don't know if Justin's on Facebook even or part of the group but if you put your answers there we'll we'll go over them in a, in a future show and another email here from Colin uh, Colin says I've been meaning to drop you a line to say how much I'm enjoying them having arrived late and quickly set about shoveling the back catalogue down with both fists what a lovely image Colin uh, he says I'm now at that stage where I leave them on repeat at night like dodgy hypnotherapy tapes from the back of the Sunday people. So do drop me a line. Thank you, Colin. Drop me a line, anyone at info at comedianscomedian.com and let me know how you use the podcast. I'd be very interested to hear. Uh, I'm very pleased I'm helping people sleep at night and I wonder if you'll all wake up weird. Email me, tweet me at comcompod.com. Uh, thank you for your feedback. Read the ComCom TV test episode and the, the title, in fact. Uh, we're going to get a bunch together and start releasing extracts from the show on YouTube. Um, that should come together, hopefully, for January at the beginning of the year. Um, so look forward to that. And thank you, of course, so much for your donations to the running costs of the show. I, I think more specifically for helping me recover from Edinburgh, um, which is going very nicely. Thank you. Some of you have also been leaving little notes with your donations on PayPal, little messages. It does give you that option. And I'm very pleased to receive that whatever the amount people have been chucking everything from five to 50 quid at me and in one case rather more than that to the extent that I had to email back and make sure it wasn't a typing error I'll keep you posted on how that develops just go to the comedianscomedian.com website and you can find I should say the comedianscomedian.com website, and you can find the donate button there. Keep listening to after the show for a new way that you can help the podcast whilst helping yourself out at the same time. And finally, before we go back to Jason, I thought of a little Twitter game. Uh, I was in a service station the other day on the way to a gig. No, really? Yes, occasionally that happens. And I realised I always tend to buy the same thing, probably out of a desire to be I don't know not too unhealthy but also you know after a while you go yep I know what I like I like this and I particularly noticed it because I've been doing my tax recently and the same receipts keep cropping up it's very depressing so being a deeply boring man I took a picture of the food that was in my hand and I tweeted it Uh, you can too just take a photo of your pathetically habitual service station road food and tweet me with the hashtag hack snacks and let's have that with a CKS at the end and not an X we're not Americans Unless you are American, in which case, knock yourself out. Uh, So hashtag HackSnacks and a photograph of the food that you hate to admit you buy every single time on your way to a gig. More on that later. Now it's back to Jason Manford.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
3: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.
0: So, let, well, let's talk about the writing. Let's talk about oh, the yeah, writing yeah, okay. of, of the stuff. So, when you came to make this show, say, mm. um, are you the sort of person that sort of has a, a week's plan of go? Okay, I'm going to do a certain number of hours here, or you're working in an office. What's your what's in what circumstances do you write?
2: Well, well, I'll tell you to go back a little bit to when I when I was just when I was doing the circuit, and obviously when you're doing the circuit, once you get 20 minutes, you, that's you. you do, you're done. You get your you get your 150 pound Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and. You know, you're happy, like you know you. And then gradually, you know, you get to a point where you're you're doing six or seven gigs a week, and you know, earning that same amount of money, and you, and and it's great, and it's easy, and you, and all you needed to do was write twenty minutes of stuff. Mm. But that's you know, and a lot of comics, and a lot of comics, that's 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 enough, you know, that's enough to get to. And um, and I would, I, I was always like, I sort of not lazy, but I was always a bit like that, ah, you know, that'll do. us, like, I'm happy with this life, this is fine. And then I. Um, saw Peter Kay. I, I, I saw Peter Kay before I even started stand up. He was he did the gig uh, that I used to work at quite regular. And he, I mean, whatever you think of him these days in 2013, even he is one of the best loved comedians uh, in the country. He's funny bones. He's got he's naturally just he's a brilliant entertainer. And uh, and he he was fascinating to watch. And early on he was brilliant. I mean, mm. he's great now, but it was just a revelation and and we had a lot in common and we and we sort of chatted and um and we sort of become friends a little bit and uh and I was asking him about his like writing thing and he because he said to me what do you want to do with your career and I said I'd just like to play this couple of gigs and you know get me 300 quid a weekend and I'll Mm -hmm. be happy like and he said how how much do you write a week and I said, what do you mean? I've got me 20 minutes. Like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't need to do any more. Like, I said, okay, i will have a flip through the paper, see if anything funny's happened. And, and he said, "He said, you know the rest of the country does 35 hours a week, don't you? And I said, well, yeah, I realise that's roughly what a full-time job is, 35 hours plus. He said, well, that's how much time you should be putting into this job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I thought, God, that, that, that does sort of make sense. Like, you know, if, if it is your full-time job, then you should definitely do that. It's hard early on when you've got a part-time job and you've got other things going on. And so I started then um, trying to treat it a little bit more like a job, not necessarily sitting in an office and writing, but certainly just making sure I was reading everything, um, I was across everything, um, and uh, and jotting everything down that that, that I could. And, uh, and so now my process is... Uh, <laughs> I start, this, you know, I start thinking about the tour and I've always got bits and bobs, you know, you've got the little note thing on your mm-hmm. phone, you're jotting these little ideas down. Sometimes in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, you wake up chuckling to yourself, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> right, that down. wake up the next morning, you're like, oh, it doesn't actually make any sense now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I sort of get to that point where I think, right, here's, here's, here are a couple of ideas that I think are, are good and, uh, and fun to do. And, and, and there's also a little bit of pressure on my family and friends and stuff like that now where I'm like, look, you need to start being funnier because uh, <laughs> they're getting a little bit self-aware now. I think and keeping stuff from me. Do you like, know, I mean, really? Is yeah, really? Yeah, that they do. Yeah, no, my, I, even my mum the other day she went. Oh, your M- Margaret said to me the other day, and I went, and then she stopped. She went, "Why have you stopped?" She went, "No, doesn't matter." I was like,
0: "She, <laughs> no she
2: knows more. as soon as she said it, it's going in the act." Like, sure. So. You know, and I'm, I'm always do, I'm observant in, in that respect. But I get, you know, I get every single paper delivered every single morning. Uh, I get the magazines, even ones I don't necessarily want to read, like Take a Break or mm. Bella or whatever. Like, I, you know, I read mm. everything right through. Um, How long does that take? Um, it's, you know, it's a process, like, you know, but I'm a speed reader now, so I'm sort okay. of, I'm, I'm flicking through. And don't forget, most newspapers are covering the same stories, like, Sure, so nothing, sure, but
0: you've, you've, you've trained in speed reading, so Yeah, you I'm pretty
2: much like, I mean, I, I don't train as such okay, as I can sure. sort of have a flick through and, and, and yeah. go for it and have a little look at those little ones and, and uh, you know, the, that's And what the, do you do? Is. Are
0: you kind of drawing rings around things that might be important? Yeah, and i cut or? things
2: out and I you know, keep things to, to, to one side and, uh, I'm not as prolific as, a, as I was, like, there was a point where... I mean even now when I think about how much material I've written, I mean this is my third tour you know I've done four or five Apollos or road shows I've done you know I've had a couple of series of of my own show um you know there's probably about I've probably written about 10 hours of material and mm-hmm. so which when you think at one point I was happy with 20 minutes you know it's quite a, it's quite a situation to get to um but yeah for this tour I just I panicked to be honest I was a it was a real panic this tour um at the beginning this was this time last year, because obviously the tickets go on sale a year before you have sure. to actually start doing any gigs. So you're like, fine, <laughs> got a year. Okay. And then, and then your agent starts ringing you up going, hey, we sold 4,000 tickets this week. And you're like, oh God, like, like they're, they're, they've just bought something that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of pressure there. And then, um, yeah, and then January, and then so what I do is I book loads of club gigs. So I, I, book, I, I, I ring up loads of clubs. And I just say, can you put us on? And Mm -hmm. uh, I just do little, like really little 40-seater rooms and stuff. And... uh and I just go in as, like unannounced, like special guest or whatever they want to write down, and uh, and all over the country to trying to get a. So otherwise, I become a bit northern centric if I don't uh, if I don't spread the love like. And, uh, so I sort of try and get out, do all these club gigs as much as I can, which is terrifying. A lot of that's getting your sea legs back and just getting sure. back on stage after. 18 and what
0: are you months. doing just to, to complete the process? What are you mm. doing when you've cut out the stuff? You've you've got the, the kind of news stories.
2: So what I do at the beginning is I do my old set. Like I get on and I do twenty minutes, twenty five minutes of just like the gold like the stuff that you know is bang 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 gag 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 and that's just confidence that's just like let's just get this back let's get the you know get steady on your feet and get a few heckles and deal with them and just you know do a few saturday nights in the middle of you know wherever and uh, so that and that's that's my first process is just to get confident again on stage because it does it does leave you like if you have a bit Mm -hmm. of time off and then what i do then is i slip some new stories in so but i always put them in between two winners so I'll have two gags that I think, right, them two are, are good gags, and I'll just put this little shoot, uh, you know, like a plant, you know, a little shoot in there, and just gradually, you know, it's got these two crutches okay. either side, and gradually that sprouts, and I go, right, I don't
0: need you two anymore, I've got this one. Okay, and, and is, that, is that something that, works. Works. that you've written? Is that something that you've gone away and written on a, on a laptop? You'll I do right now,
2: yeah, I actually write a lot of stuff out, like, Word for word, and okay. uh, and when I start, that doing, surprises me because yeah. you're so
0: conversational. That's it comes up in all your reviews
2: as I well. Do, what I do is I'm conversational first, and then I write it down okay. off the off what I've said, rather than you know write it down first and then read what it says. Sure, um, and then I go and do a load and then I do some gigs where I'm I only do new stuff, and I just take like like a pad of paper like that, and I've mm. got um, bullet points of the jokes and ideas that I've got, and I just read jokes off uh, off paper, okay. which is weird because if someone knows who you are and they've seen you on telly then it's like, like some people think oh that's quite a little treat like, like someone's come to our little place in Lytham St. Anne's or you know Berwick-Upon-Tweed or somewhere mm. where nobody really goes like. um, but if nobody knows who you are if it's just an old bloke going this is the most unprofessional comedian I've ever seen Sure, like, he just look like a dick but um, you know and I just read you know I just genuinely just read and I tick you know tick a joke if it gets a laugh I tick it off I got a do laugh. you
0: do you have rules and, and principles for how to find the funny in something what, what decisions is it that you're making when you see when you see something in the newspaper and you go oh this might work like presumably do you also because there's a lot of people reading there's a lot of topical comics yes quite do you also have to kind of go you know, does stuff get burned because you see someone else has already done it? I try and um,
2: relate anything in the paper back to a personal story. Okay, just you know I me. Mean? So that way, and that's another thing I remember Peter saying that, which was, um, you know, nobody can nobody can steal your life. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. people can steal a gag, people can steal uh, an observation that you've made in uh, you know a newspaper, or whatever, but nobody can steal mm. your joke. That's yours. You know mm. what I mean? And uh, or your or an experience that you've had. Um, so what I do is I try and relate stuff back really so um, you know I uh, like so for example David Cameron left his you know he left his daughter in a pub uh, mm. a couple of you know a year ago whatever it was it was in the paper so then I go right well that's the story that, and then off the launch of that I can then talk about when I used to go to the pub as a kid and sure. my parents used to take me and, you know,
0: and talk about all those, you know, like trying to get a and game the pool with adults or whatever it was, you know. Presumably, yeah. Presumably, though, if you're planning a tour that doesn't exist yet, or yes. you're, the tour exists but the show doesn't exist, Quite. by the time you get round to the end of the tour, yeah. that David Cameron story is a year or more yeah, off. Yeah,
2: I mean, I've got, you know, I've got stuff that's, that I've just got rid of, which is about the, the London riots, you know, that sure. I thought, that, that I love and it gets a big laugh, but... What can you do? You can't unless you know. You can't just sit in your house praying for another riot. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, Have you heard that, these that, riots they've been having in <laughs> Indonesia? Yeah, that, exactly. That yeah. reminds me. Yeah. I just. I think. I think that comics put a bit too much pressure on themselves about being topical because you you're harder on yourself than than an audience is. An mm. audience just are like, is it funny? Well, that's all I'm bothered about. Like, no, generally no audience is going to be giving it. Well, I think that's four months out of date. You sure. know what I mean? Like nobody's that bothered. You know, um, what's your what's your response though? If like if, I you, think get, if st- you get
0: reviewed, like you know, audiences might not mind. But do you bother with reviews? Do you engage with that sort? They of don't places? even pay for a ticket. Those assholes. So I think I'm I'm only only gigging to
2: the people who've paid to sure. see it. Okay. you know what I mean? Like don't get me wrong, I read them and I, you know, and I'm not I'm not happy about them if they're not nice. But I. uh you know, they they just they can't really they
0: can't really uh, well, also, contradict two thousand people. Well, laughing. the other
2: thing is with a critic is that they've seen loads and loads of comedy, like they've seen lots of stand up, mm. hundreds and hundreds of shows, whereas an audience have seen three, like that year, if if mm-hmm. if, and that's if they're you know prolific at it. So you can't really go off a uh, off of a reviewer. Like I don't even I'm not even aware what like you know the the, the term hack. You know when when a subject mm. becomes a hack subject you know on the circuit you're aware of what's oh don't talk about airplane food because you know and stuff because everyone does it you know don't talk about such of thing. loads of comics have got jokes about that when you're on the circuit that's self-policing because there's three or four of you on the bill and you'll hear someone go oh right is that a subject that they're doing on my last tour i you know how how am i to know that like i'm i'm told by myself like so i don't know that um you know the uh unexpected item in the baggage area is sure. a subject that you know has been covered by hundreds of comics I'm just going well, this is a bit funny I'll do Yeah. Okay. and it's only okay. when you read a review and they go oh so see, and he did this that was like loads of other comics you're sure. like well I, did, I, I didn't know that So, do
0: you not is it? Is it do you feel that there's a responsibility to know what's, what's current what's being what's being done like if you're writing for a panel show so mm. you're performing or you're doing something on TV yeah. where you might be the fourth act on a mixed bill yeah, on a Christmas yeah. show or something is, is might that be an issue that you then see someone before you and go, Oh Christ, they're doing unexpected item in the bagging area.
2: Yeah, I mean it's different with telly, of course, because they as you know, they will a producer will ring you and say, What are all your subjects? You know sure. what I mean? So that's
0: that's ruled out before you've okay. even got to the okay. studio floor really. But um but, but I but I get what you're but, saying know, about like you don't you don't encounter that stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
2: You know, I mean, you know, you can be aware of stuff and you can and, and also what I've got is I've got three or four mates. Uh, you know, I've got Gary Delaney, I've got um mm. Brendan Riley, um, uh, another couple of comics who I will, um, who I'll just ring up, Andrew Bird, I'll just ring up and I'll mm-hmm. say, well, this is a, is this a funny idea? This is a funny, and they'll talk, and they will be the, like, someone like Gary Delaney's, uh, sure. you know, I don't know if you've seen his show, but he's, he's encyclopedic about yeah. when it comes to stand-up. Has anyone done this? Well, Emo Phillips did it, it yeah, exactly, in yeah. so he'll, yeah, yeah, exactly, he'll, know stuff like, you know, so that, I use that quite a bit as a, you know, what do you think about this, you know, and sure. that's, that's okay. helpful, um, and i always use and i use those guys as well to um to help me with the show you know so i'll i get to a point where i think right i've got an hour mm-hmm. and i think that's and i think it's funny mm-hmm. and then i'll be still doing the warm up so after i've done the club gigs i'll then book in a load of warm ups like 25 warm up gigs in really little towns uh, you know and uh barrow in furnace or mm-hmm. you know wherever these little places and uh and then I'll go along and say so this, is, this is a tryout, you know it's a whatever it's a, a 5 or a 10 or whatever mm-hmm. it is and uh, and then I'll just try out stuff and then I'll invite a couple of mates so I'll invite I've got a mate called Steve Edge who's, uh, who used to be a comic years and years ago he's an actor now um, and he's really like he's the funniest bloke I know so he comes along and and, and afterwards, we just have a massive chat about the set. The set, And he's like, sure. oh, that bit you do is really funny. Why don't you say this at the end? And I go, oh, yeah, I will. Yeah, and, okay. uh, you know, So it's sort
0: just, of an unofficial, like, not a director, but an outside eye. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And you just need
2: that. Like, I was doing a joke for about, sometimes you don't know. Like, you just think the joke's a joke. You think, oh, that's a funny observation. And that's a joke. And only when someone says, why don't you say this at the end, and adds a punchline, you think, mm. oh, yeah, now it's a joke. That's just been like a jokeoid for the last. Sure, OK. So I, I had one on the last tour where I said, when you go to get your kids on the foot when they send you home from the hospital and you strap your kids in the car and you're panicking and you're and you're really worried about the journey home and you know the, the responsibility the pressure of driving home you got you drive about four miles an hour all the way home because you're so nervous and you're crying and there's like tractors overtaking you old people walking past you on the pavement and i was just an observation that, and then i used that and then started to talk about other things right but i was sort of saying that in the shape of a joke like mm-hmm. that was it that bit that I just did. and Gary Delaney said to me um, why don't you say uh, you know you're driving home you're going four mile an hour there's the tractors overtaking there's people walking past you on the pavement every time you go around a corner you can hear the baby moving about in the boot <laughs> like, and I go okay
0: right now it's a joke sure now it's <laughs> a know, joke now it's the a steps joke. leading up to it that's are also it. funny steps yeah so that's yeah. it
2: and that's and that is really important I think is to have people that you trust and mates around you that you can banter with and, 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 and get some stuff out
0: of because it's a lonely process and sure. Uh, uh, what and it's got to be lonelier. Uh, I mean stand up comedy itself at mm. someone at my level is yeah. quite an isolating profession Yeah, and I'm still going to clubs and seeing people even if I don't necessarily stay that often mm. but when you're touring on your own
2: yeah and, but what a weird process to, to be thinking right I'm going to I've got you know 200,000 people have bought tickets to see my show yet I'm going to just sit in a room by myself and write it and not actually say it out loud to Mm. anyone else before I see them, you know, that seems odd to me. So that's, I think it's good to have those uh, people that you trust around you to to, to chip in, you know.
0: When you were doing the show last night, there was a section of it where you were reading out suggestions that people, because the show's called First World Problems. Yes. Which I think actually you said something, I couldn't believe you said it actually. You said, that seemed like a nice generic title. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is that that,
2: that a window on your process that you kind of like... Come to you and say, right, sh- you need to write a show, and you go, all right, and I'll, I will. I'll start writing one, and then they say, and a lot of comics mention it, certainly at Edinburgh as well, because you've got to come up with it a year before you've even started writing it. So it'd be like coming up with the, you know, you think, right, I'm going to write a book, yeah, uh, right, is a title, and then uh, and then you've got to try and write a book under under that the banner of that title. So, sure. so I just thought, I'm not, I'm not putting my press, pressure on me this time. You know, I mean, last time I called it something like. Turning into my dad or something, but really every stand-up show just should should be called just moaning with punchlines. Right, that's basically that's what every show is, right? And uh, well, that's next year's time. That's that's there. There you (laughs) go. (laughs) Shut that down. And and I so I thought, you know what? That seems like a a generic title. First world problems. I mean, everything can be under that banner. Like everything I'm talking about, and I don't even need to talk about it. I just it's that everyone knows the phrase now. It's done the rounds online. Um, And uh, and also the other important thing is that it separates your tour. And this is something I learned on, on the last tour that I, I didn't think about. I just called it all oh, the tour before. I just called it Jason Manford Live or mm-hmm. whatever. I didn't even think about it. But when you do a tour the length of mine, mine's, I mean, my tour started in, well, I started the process in, you know, the, the, the clubs in January, but I started the official tour date started at the end of May mm-hmm. and I finished at the end of next April. Mm-hmm. So it's a long tour. So mm-hmm. much so that people forget. And if you go back to a town because you, you sold out the last two times you were there, yeah. you go back to, people will come back again.
0: Yes, sure. Because it's been eight not months. Not realising it's the same
2: show. Yeah, okay. so, the, so the title, you need a title that sticks in their mind, did you, at least. Did
0: you think, though, I mean, I've got to be honest, when I first saw the title was mm. First World Problems, I sort of thought that already existed as a joke on Twitter. As a thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a thing. Mm. And that's quite unusual, I think, that it, it's almost like it was it was sort of, you know, a shorthand sort of concept. It was a funny concept in itself. Yeah, I just... Did, did you feel you sort of co-opted that, or it was just a... a no, not really.
2: Home? I just felt like it was a phrase that was out there already mm. that nobody owned and and uh but it summed up lots of things without you sure. know without actually it, having d- it to d- fits the
0: moaning with problems concept yeah, not it quite. yeah quite
2: so it's uh, but yeah and then I set the I, on I mean it's different in Edinburgh because you don't have an interval but on tour I and I tried to do it quite a bit I um I set a challenge before the interval or you know it's just it's something to just to fill the time a little bit as well and <laughs> and uh and also to Make it different for me. You know, I do a lot of, okay. a lot of gigs every and night. And this is and the
0: bit where you're asking people to write down their first words. So I programs. say, what are yours? Yeah, what are okay. yours? And, uh, when you say it's something to fill the time. Yes. I mean, is there, is there a danger of that? Of that coming across? No. In this sort of quality control kind of way? No.
2: I mean, I, I will, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is the trick. The trick is this. I have written loads of them. And uh, what I do is I tell you. I was gonna ask you that. Yeah. I didn't
0: know whether you would have or not. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what happens is I got, so I I do a couple of my own before I start the the interval. And and then I say, um, and then I say, right, this is my this is my ultimate one, whatever my ultimate one is that night. Uh, see if you can top it over the So make sure. it a bit more of a challenge. And people jot them down. I get like hundreds, like, you know, obviously. And the tour manager and me, we have a little look through. And most of them are when you go to the toilet yeah. and there's no toilet roll. That's, sure, like, sure. That is, that is it's about, like doing a joke
0: competition yeah. in, a, in a comedy club. Yeah. You've just got to look through them
2: beforehand and go, bin, bin, yeah. bin. So what I do then is, and what I've got is about 12 or 13 of ones that I've, uh, that either, previous audiences have written that are really funny yeah. um, or um, ones I've written myself that I know okay. I've got a bit of material about. So I've got one, so i had some stuff about a bus driver that, that's not quite, it's, not, it's funny, but it's not funny enough to go, oh, bus drivers and then go into a bit sure. about bus drivers. But if you're doing it uh, you know, so it sounds almost spontaneous that you've sure. gone, Oh, I'm just going to do a bus. Oh, I've got a bit about bus drivers. Yeah, okay. Funnily enough. Okay. And uh, that way you can sort of, it's like a Derren Brown technique effectively. Sure, sure. So, what you do is you, I do this. I really shouldn't be telling everybody. Well, I was going to say, Are tour. you comfortable telling us <laughs> this? Cause cause I'll tell, a tell you. Fascinating anyway. inside it's fascinating, It's interesting, anyway. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll tell you what happens. So, what I, I go on tour and I say, Right. Um, I'll pick, so I'll pick three or four. I mean, I use quite a lot every night, the funny ones. I'll use five or six uh, of the audiences that night. And, um, and I'll go, Sarah, where's Sarah? And she'll put her hand up and I'll say, Sarah says this. And mm-hmm. I'll read out Sarah's and it'll get a little giggle off and it's a, a local reference or mm-hmm. something, you know, so it's always going to be I'll get an extra laugh. And then I'll go and I'll do a little joke off the back of it if I can think of one. And then Phil, oh, we've got Phil, where's Phil? And Phil's at the back and he puts his hand up. And basically, after you've done those two, None of the others need to be in the room because people just think they're all in the room. Okay. You know what I mean? So what I'll do is I'll just... But I'll mix it, you know, so Mm -hmm. then about 10 in I'll go, David, where's David? And there's David, you know. So I'll I'll just mix it up a little bit, you know. So um, it's a way of just getting them... um, I mean, I'm quite honest about it in the Edinburgh show because... Not, the audience haven't written any of them. Yeah,
0: sure. Uh, because there's no interval. Oh, well, but, I think um, in the end of the show, you said these are ones that previous audiences Yeah, have so, they, I mean, sure. and most
2: of, to be fair, most of, people are funny. Everyone can be funny once.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know. <laughs> people, Everyone in the audience there is trying to work out whether they've had their go.
2: <laughs> but, you know, so people do say funny things and uh, and, and I, I'm i not one of those comics. Like, if someone heckles me and it gets a laugh, I don't try and top it. Like, I think, sure. fine. If you've got, I think, for, for me, I think, well, I... I, I made that possible like that last sure, possible sure. so I don't get I'm not in that sort of competitive yeah. way but I think if
0: uh, yeah I, I don't worry about that so the, the much the fact that you're so open about this now which I really sort of uh, appreciate um, I just wonder is that, is that because part of what they're some or all of what they're here for is just to see you to see your personality because you've got an attractive personality or to see you because you're a bloke off telly you know what I mean it's yeah. like if, if you're kind of effectively like some of, some of those things are kind of like you say to kill a bit of time mm. is there an issue there whereby that's alright to do that because they're, they're here to see whatever you decide to do
2: no I think you know you've seen the Jerry Seinfeld uh, documentary yeah. the, the yeah. comedian and there's a bit where he's chatting to a New York comic I can't remember his name now um, Ornie Adams no, no 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 a, a good one, one. And uh, he says... That, you should totally see that, David. Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant, brilliant, David. Great insight. I watch it before I go on every tour. It just, it just settles my nerves. Because yep. I just think, well, if Jerry Seinfeld's struggling, it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, um, and he says to an American comic, because he, he goes on stage one night, and this couple are talking in the front row. And he's in this little comedy club. like There's like 80 people in. And, and Jerry Seinfeld genuinely looks at this couple and goes, who needs, he's like, who needs to turn up here? like I'm Jerry Seinfeld and you still don't care you know and he's really offended by it yeah. and the guy says to him afterwards he went look it doesn't matter who you are like it's comedy you could be Jack Nicholson one of the most be- you know beloved love men in the world uh, when it comes to entertainment and he gets five minutes grace yeah you know who I've seen it. I've, I've, I've introduced Chris Rock, Eddie Izzard, uh, hundreds of people who've come up to do a little gig at the comedy store when they've been in town. They get five minutes, mm-hmm. and if you ain't funny after five minutes, they're like, "No, oh, I've got to go on." Like people mm. don't care that much, you know what I mean? And certainly if they've paid twenty odd quid to come and see you, so the pressure and the and and the jokes have still got to be there. Don't get me wrong; that you know they're turning up because it's you, mm-hmm. but they're staying and coming back to the next tour because they enjoyed themselves. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how much uh, TV you do. If you, if they've experienced a bad show, then sure, it's just, that's a false economy. So,
0: yeah, I yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left, and normally I like to sort of ask for questions from the audience. If anyone has any burning issues, feel free to put a hand up. And um, there's other stuff I'd like to cover. So while you have a think, I'll ask oh, okay, another sure. couple of yeah, questions. Okay, Yeah, no worries. I'm in no rush. Um, so one of the things, uh, you, your decision when you went on to the One Show mm. was sort of surprised me. I think yeah, some people yeah, on the yeah, comedy yeah. circuit because you're like, "Oh, Jason's a comedian. Yeah, yeah, what are yeah. you doing being a presenter?" Yeah, it was. Um, I don't even know, though was, you were very suited to it.
2: I mean, again, it was it was one of those things where uh, you just think, "Well, I've, you know, I've got to work. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and if it's inside, then mm. you're winning,
0: aren't you? You know." <laughs> Uh, and did you, did did any part of you sort of feel that you might be that process you talk about of having the meetings with BBC and ITV when they say what you can and can't say? Mm. Did that ever offend any kind of comic sensibility for you, or were you just happy to be there working?
2: No, I mean I do a little bit in my set about um, about offending people on the one shot. I think I, I think I got 147 complaints once and uh, for a little joke that I did, and uh, and they sort of asked me to apologise. I was like, no,
0: and. Um, and so, yeah. And I mean, so, was, what? And I remember, I don't know which of the end of that story, how much of it is true, but they asked you to apologise. So you went on and did a sort of joke yeah, no, apology. That, that's
2: the bit that I've added to. For okay, the, for fine. The show, so but didn't so, yeah. Okay. But
0: um, no, I mean, I,
2: I suppose, over the years, you, you you develop. You know, you get to a point. I mean, I did a show called Tonightly uh, years ago um, mm. on Channel Four, and it was very much. Um, you know, comedy by committee, you know, it was a real, mm. like there was so many fingers in pies, there was so many people saying this, you should say this, no, you can't say that, get this person on, get this person mm. on. By the time we got on, on screen at 11 o'clock at night, it was a live show, I was saying stuff that I was thinking, I don't even think this is funny, you know, mm. and so I learned a big lesson there um, and you, you're always learning lessons, you know, and I, and I suppose I got out of that show was, look, if you've got, like Ricky Gervais with The Office, right? Peter Kay with Phoenix Knights, if you've got a vision, if you've got an idea for something and it's yours um, and people have trusted you to do that, then you need to be forceful and, and mm-hmm. you need to say, no, like, look, I'm the one who has to say this. I, you know, I'm the one who gets a flat. No one's writing a, a, a bad review over a producer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? No one's writing or something was edited bad. You know what I mean? It is you who's getting sure. it in the neck. And so that was a big lesson, and and again the one show I suppose for me you know at the time it seemed like a good idea like it just yeah. you know it seemed like well this is a way of taking my um, job to the next level my uh, and getting people to come and see us in in the, the you know my, my, the, the tour I did before that I think I sold you know twenty two thousand tickets or something mm-hmm. like that the, the tour I did after that I sold you know nearly two hundred thousand tickets so sure. in that respect it didn't do us any harm in that respect. Okay. I suppose um, yeah I mean I didn't necessarily enjoy uh, the The regular you know sat there, sort of I enjoyed working with Alex and I, I enjoyed some of the subjects, but it was hard and it was harder than I thought it was going to be. I just sure. thought it was just professional reading and did you think well, it was of, actually yeah, you know, yeah it was sure. actually some work
0: involved you know and talking of getting it in the neck mm. when that did end, mm. when it all went kind of tits yeah, up yeah, yeah um. Did you feel that you were hammered by the press more than you would have oh, been yeah, just as a comic? Oh, yeah, because
2: it's BBC, is it? So, you know, and also, again, like I was saying, Louis C.K., and, and, and some of the stuff that you would talk about on stage. Some of the stuff you talk about on stage in the clubs is a million times worse than, sure. uh, than anything, you know. But if once you're in that world of uh of bbc and and stuff like you've got to start uh, you know ab- abiding into those rules you know but um it was a tough time i suppose and it was and it and it was and it was detrimental like it was a real tough it's hard enough being a comedian away from home and and, and your family and stuff but i mean i was there i think i was there five nights a week and then mm-hmm. then i was on tour you know two or three nights a week so suddenly you know you think actually my, my life is mapped out for the next Next year, you know, mm-hmm. and it was uh, yeah, it was it was tough. You know, there was a lot of uh, depression and uh, and all sorts of things. It was a real uh, a real horrible time, really. You know, so um, you know, and a lot of them were symptoms rather than causes. But it, yeah, it was it was tough. And uh, again, you know, you come through stuff and uh, and you get to the other side, and you go at the, when you're in the middle of it, you think, well, ah, this is it. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have a little look at the nearest bridge or something. I'll have a go. Like, but you know, when you come out to the other side, you think. Oh, well, nobody died, did they? It'd be all right, it's only jokes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So yeah, in that respect, I think I'm glad I did it for the experience. And uh, and, and certainly now when I do live telly, you know, th- there's a lot of producers who are like, oh, you'll be all right. You come and do this show; it's live. You know, when we did our show together and the final was live. Sure. Um, you know, I don't have any. There's no sweat pouring down the back of my back. I just think, you know, it's mm-hmm. fine. You know what I mean? It's live telly, so I've, got, I've got done it before. I'll do it again.
0: Okay, we probably just got a minute for one question. Go on, if then. anyone has a burning one, if not, I've got one. Um, but no that's fu- was that, are you are you subtly that was brilliantly subtle well done okay yeah, go well, for it I'll just repeat it through for the mic uh, what's it like having your younger brother doing comedy Colin yeah well he's, he's here he's I here he's, I, he's, I wasn't going to point, point bank, that out unless you yeah. did
2: um, he uh, yeah I mean he started about three or four years ago um, he fancied doing it and um, it's an odd one because with you know, like I was saying before about it not being accessible the job being like out of reach of, of normal like ideas mm. when you were a kid Because you're related to someone who does it, you suddenly go, "Hang on, this is a thing. This is a thing that's doable," you know. And he's a funny lad, and uh, and and he'd done the same sort of, you know, he's into the same things as me—drama and messing about and all that sort of stuff. Uh, So he um, he naturally wanted to go, and at first it was a bit weird, and I think he acknowledged that and he changed his surname and um, you know and so so people didn't think he was just you know it was nepotism mm. and I have literally never helped him like I've literally I've never rang <laughs> I've never rung a club I've never rung an agent I've never rung a TV person I've, I've never helped him and sure. he's never asked for my help like mm-hmm. it's very separate and we talk about gigs and stuff like that and he comes along to mine sometimes and I go and see his but I just thought it was really important that if you want to make it then you've got to just mm. make it by yourself like I did you know mm-hmm. so uh, yeah but he's um yeah, he's, I mean, he's a funny boy, like, so. Well,
0: he won't ever be as good as me, like, so. <laughs> I hope. We're, I would love Imagine. to talk more. There's loads of other stuff. There's stuff about Show Me The Funny. I'd love to have that oh, conversation a with you sometime. <laughs> yeah, But uh, maybe the best, less said the better. Uh, loads more, but we are out of time and there's no a worries. magician needs to come in next. And you know what bastards they can be. <laughs> so, uh, just for now, thank you very much, ladies Thanks and gentlemen. You. Please join me in thanking Jason Manford. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, man. <laughs> So thank you to Jason. I I really enjoyed that. Thank you to James Lowey and Anthony and James from So TV. You can get in touch with me, remember, info at comedianscomedian.com or tweet at comcompod. You can donate on the website. And remember, if you can't afford to donate, then a five-star rating on iTunes will suffice or simply share the show on Facebook or social media or press it into the greasy palm of someone who you think might enjoy it. Last thing, there are two things that strike me about the comedian listeners to this show as opposed to the the non-comedian listeners, the hacks for cash. Uh, one, you spend a lot of time driving. I know that's where a lot of you listen to the show. And two, you don't like donating to podcasts regarding yourselves as having a guest ticket. Totally understandable. Here is a joint solution I'm just going to spend 30 seconds on and people who listen to a lot of podcasts will probably know what's coming next. If you go to audible.co.uk backslash cc, for Comedians Comedian, audible.co.uk backslash cc you can sign up to a free trial of an audible account for 30 days totally free and as an incentive they give you a free audiobook and you can even cancel your account if you decide to and you get to keep the audiobook amazing so if you've got like a 14 hour drive coming up you can download the alan partridge audiobook for example read by steve coogan in character as partridge which is just superb. I know several comedian friends of mine have listened to it many times through. It's got a joke roughly every 15 seconds and I bloody love it. It's so, so funny. So why not download that if you haven't heard it already? Uh, and if you remember to put the CC on the end of the web series, then they send me some sort of incentive as well. I'm going to have to assume it's a small donation at no extra cost to you. So do that, please. If you're thinking of downloading an audiobook, why not try it through a way that helps out this show? audible.co.uk backslash cc that's your lot we're back next week with another one might be part two of Sarah Millican Uh, I'd I'd say Sarah was cruelly overlooked at the comedy awards recently but to do that would be to buy into the concept of awards and that way lies madness Um, so it might be the wonderful Sarah Millican might be Rob Delaney you'll just have to wait and see bye for now